Queerness is not a monolith. We are but a small representation of our fabulous community. Thoughts expressed in this podcast are meant to inform, entertain, and provide context in a world full of sound bites and chaotic headlines. The goal? To create a safe space to educate ourselves and our community, learn from our guests, and provide comfort for those out there who may not have an outlet of queer expression. This is Queer Context. Hello and welcome to Queer Context, a podcast where two queer Texans talk queer shit about queer topics in, yes, queer Texas. Hey. Hi. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, who has recently inspired me to write a reboot of the Ocean's Eleven franchise based on our friendship entitled Ocean 69. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> it's Tyler. <laughs> Uh, he is the tahine to my fruit, fruit tray. <laughs> He's the Valentina to my watermelon. Roger. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know. Ocean sixty nine. Ocean sixty. I didn't know if that would land. Uh, I mean, it's a bit on the nose. <laughs> it's a little bit on the nose. Um, as I hit my nose on this microphone, it is a big nose, though. Um, well, look, today we're excited to welcome our first guest. It's our yes. first guest. Yes. Our yes. first guest. And, Bringing uh, people into the fold. Yeah, and, and really the first of what we hope are recurring episodes where we talk about queer cinematic classics. Yes. Um, but let me let me... Let me do the intro. Let me do his go, intro. Go for it. I'm not holding you back. His journalism career spans more than two decades, including 18 years at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. In 1998, he co-founded Cinema, Fort Worth's Gay and Lesbian International Film Festival, for which he served as artistic director for 14 years. He's currently working on two books, one of them on his, on his more than 180-year-old Fort Worth neighborhood called Chase Court, as well as the Tarrant County LGBTQ plus community. Um, it is local legend Todd Camp. Local legend. Hi, local legend Todd Camp. Glad to be here. Um, I feel like now I can stop my like my like. Top of she podcast. got the, she got the local legendary out. <laughs> yeah, <There you> yeah. <laughs> the top of the podcast voice, and now I can go back to regular Roger voice. Regular Friend, I'm so excited. Roger voice. Yeah, I am so excited to be here. Yeah. This is my abs. This is I think this is actually my very first podcast. Believe <gasps> it or not, I don't think I've been on a podcast before. Oh, I feel honored. Really, I don't think so. Uh, I've I've. I just if assumes. I have, I apologize to anybody no, but, who's podcast. <laughs> no, obviously no, made a strong no, you impression don't. on We're me, the first. We claim it. I claim, we claim it. it. <laughs> just like we claim we're the first queer Fort Worth podcast, even though we're really probably not. No. But, you know. I've done radio, but that's different. So yeah. Well, this is it's sort a of, new medium. This is right. sort of. It is. Yeah. Uh, a radio that people can access at any time that they want. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All about instant gratification. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, so normally we start with a queer history moment, but really this entire podcast is a queer yeah. history moment. We're going to throw it back. Because um, one of the things that we wanted to do um, to help provide context for the children and for anyone else, really, is um, we wanted there to... There are people our age who don't know shit. Yeah, there are people our age that don't know <laughs> shit. We know quite a few of them. I can second that. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to have this kind of regular discussion where we go and experience uh, queer cinematic classics, whether that are documentaries, well, I feel films, like this... in the queer film genre, classics is a new... Well, that's right. a loose term. It's a loose term. <laughs> You're right. 
You're right. It's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of like being a horror fan. Is there so many people trying to do it in different ways that you also have to tolerate kind of a lot of bad stuff? Oh, yeah. To get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And also the cult classics. But there are just, there are so many queer films out there. And then there are so many films that were written and directed by queer filmmakers that couldn't that couldn't tell queer stories so had to mm-hmm. tell story like their own stories through a straight lens mm-hmm. i think that's where you know in every episode we have our queer cultural touchstones mm-hmm. that just because it didn't read queer and wasn't labeled queer doesn't mean that it didn't resonate deeply with the queer community right right and so which is why we came up with when we were having drinks i say when we were having drinks one of those many times that we've been having this is a patio conversation just the days that end in why yeah right we were like well what should we talk about first and the celluloid closet is something that we kind of all like linked to and to talk about so yeah so today we're going to be discussing the celluloid closet uh based on a book by Vito russo and um yeah but um, before we go into there, let's just kind of talk about how we know local legend Todd Cam. Yes. <laughs> yes. How do you know me? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've known you longer than Roger. Right. She's new. Mm-hmm. But we've um, known we've gotten to know each other in the last oh, year. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but how? I mean, Rainbow Lounge. I'm guessing. Do you remember when, how we met? I don't. That would be. What was the first bar that you started going out to? Um. Well, I snuck into Hot Shots when I was 16. <laughs> okay. Well, I was at Hot Shots, too. Um, um, I don't think I met you at Hot Shots. I think I met you when I was... I moved back to town when I was 21. Okay. And I started going to... I First place I started going was Rainbow Lounge. And I think that's where I met you and Kyle. Probably. That was like 2000... That was like 2009. Mm-hmm. So Q Cinema was rocking and rolling. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that's when we met. And that's then... Right. Yeah. I've been a fan of Q Cinema... While you were doing that. And then I'm a huge fan of what you're doing for Fort Worth Queer History. My little history heart. I <laughs> live. <laughs> I live for that. I live for the stories. And I just, I love that you're doing it because I know it's something that you love doing. Oh, yeah. And I feel like not a lot of people love that. And so not a lot of people are there to keep our stories for us. And so I love that you, in your heart, have decided that you want to you wanna do that. You oh, want to yeah. do that work. And so I, I just, I love, oh, shout out to Fort Worth Gay History on Instagram. Everybody <laughs> follow it. Learn a little bit about how this community got where it, to where it's at. So what you've been doing is you have been asking, putting out feelers, really, and, and doing a lot of your own research and collecting the, the history of gay Fort Worth. Right. Is what you're doing, right? Well, and it started It started pretty early. I mean, I wish I had been, when I was younger, when I was younger, <laughs> I wish that I had been a little more adept at, you know, talking to the guys who were older, who had been around forever. Mm-hmm. I, I did talk to a lot of them, but, you know, most of the time we were out drinking and, you know, having fun and all that kind of good stuff. So the last thing we do is focused on other things. Yeah. Sit around and talk to old farts about (laughs) bars that are no longer around. But I did that. And, and, you know, mama, uh, there was a guy named Jerry Cassidy that everybody called big mama. Mm -hmm. Uh, He worked in pretty much every major gay bar, you know, dating back to the the late sixties and early seventies. And the bar, the first bar that I really started going to 
regularly was a bar called Magnolia Station. Uh, and on South Magnolia in the South Side, Fort Worth end, which is now currently a breast milk bank. Um, Mother's, what is it called? Mother's milk? Something like that. It's literally <laughs> called Mother's milk. I've always something. wanted to go in and it's like, do you have any idea what used to go on right there? <laughs> I can probably think not. I personally did probably right there, not. right there, that yeah. desk right there. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh. But uh, that was Ooh. one of the things that I talked to, to Mama about, and he told me, you know, a lot of stories about the early bar days and how, you know, he worked at a bar uh, far north on Jacksboro Highway called El Toga, that he would sit at the door and he had kind of a little slot where he could see the parking lot, and if he saw police officers pull in, he would flash the lights, and all the guys would grab a lesbian. And dance so that they wouldn't Partner. be seen oh. dancing with one another. And you know, he you see, he told me all kinds of amazing stories, and I logged all that stuff. I you know, I wasn't. I wish I'd had the wherewithal to you know. I wish I'd had a cell phone like I have now yeah. that I could just sit down and hit record and, mm -hmm. and get him to tell me stories. I tried to do that later with some of the other guys, and unfortunately, we've lost so many of those guys who really had a lot of that institutional history. But you I know, just that's, I think it's just so wild how our community. That, that that experience, those techniques to survive and to still create spaces for each other um, existed across the country. Like it wasn't like you hear these stories coming out of New York. Oh, yeah. You hear these stories coming out of Chicago or whatever. But in Fort Worth, there were still queer people trying to do the same thing, using the same techniques mm -hmm. to survive here mm -hmm. and to create spaces for themselves here. Absolutely. And... Unfortunately, Fort Worth, it seemed to last a lot longer <laughs> into the 70s, 80s, and 90s than we probably would have liked to have done, liked to have it done, right. as opposed to the rest of the country. We're a little behind, to be a little behind the times a little bit sometimes. One of the things that I have been surprised by in moving back and getting to know the two of you, I have been surprised by the sheer number of gay bars that have been in Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. So last week, Todd had a happy hour uh, discussion. He he has a discussion called Yester Queer. And he... At the Liberty Lounge. At the Liberty Lounge. And he it was a focus on all of the different gay bars that had been that have been in Fort Worth. Well, just, just that immediate area. That, and, the and, Jennings Crossroads. Yeah, South and Jennings that, Crossroads. And I was just gobsmacked by just all the different number, yeah. names and all the different locations within that area. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I mean, we essentially have our own strip, like in the Dallas. Right. We essentially had our own boys town, mm -hmm. you know, like Chicago, like our own Chelsea, our own house kitchen. And I'm, I'm very intrigued by how we had all that, but yet now it seems like we, it's just, there's now four total gay, yeah. four total gay bars now when there used to be so many more. Oh yeah. I mean well, well, they're well, spread they're, out I was talking too. at, you know, in the mid eighties, there were as many as seventeen bars at one time, which dumbfounds me. That's that there would be enough gay people to get that, that many bars. That yeah. part. Yeah. Like literally, like especially looking at right now, which I think is a lot of why we're doing the work we're doing is trying to bring people together in our city is our city is now finally reaching a very large population. Oh, yeah. And we're still really struggling to bring queer people together. <laughs> it blows my mind that back then, when our population in Fort Worth was not where it's at, that the community was, I mean, it was that tight. It was that connected. They they had enough 
numbers and population and connection in their community to support that. Well, you have to keep in mind that some of those bars had, you know, like they were little tiny hole in the wall kind of bars. Well, yeah, and, you all know, you like need is like two regulars with a crowd, you know. <laughs> right. But you know, that was one of the things that really struck me about those early days was just the sheer volume. They were spread out all over town. So, did you grow up here, Todd? No, I was I, I was born and raised in Corpus Christi. I came here to go to TCU in in the uh, in the mid eighties. A lifelong Texan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lifelong Texan. Yeah, but yeah, that was. Um, but I loved I loved talking about that area because you know it was it was at one point uh, there was a guy named Billy Ray Hill who who owned three of the bars in that neighborhood. Uh, Liberty Lounge used to be called the Come Along End. The Rainbow Lounge used to be the 651, and then the bar there was a bar across the street called um, the Lumber Company. He owned all three of those bars, and he called his company the South Jennings Crossroads. And he eventually bought the 651 in Arlington and and uh, added that to it. But he he had that vision. He wanted what Dallas. He wanted Cedar Springs in Fort Worth. So he he had big plans. And I I've heard you know they had announced things they wanted to do. They had a, a couple of gay businesses in the area. You know we've had that. There have been several little restaurants that have some gay owned, some not. But um, that one little space directly across the street from Refuction yeah. that. This has never been able to seem to make it work. Pocket but, space. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at, at that one period, I was really fascinated that, you know, there was a little, uh, like a bookstore. And, I remember um, the bookstore being Yeah. There. Yeah. I don't remember the bookstore. There was, there, oh, it no, was. Oh, no, you're talking the bookstore in that, there, the, yeah, you're talking about the bookstore that was the, in that little, next to the restaurant. Next, yeah, next to the, I'm talking about the bookstore that was next to the restaurant, next to Rainbow Lounge. Right. Yeah. And Rainbow Lounge, there used to be a house to the right of it, if you're looking at the front door, mm-hmm. and that had a bookstore and some other oh, stuff. Oh, that did? Yeah. Oh, really? Had the Fort Worth Counseling Center. It's one of the first, one of the first age organizations in Fort Worth that opened, and Billy donated the space to them for a penny a month. So, yeah. uh, you know, he was a, he was a very, he was an amazing guy. And, uh, you know, was married to a woman that lived in East Texas, and, you know, it was marriage of convenience. But Do he, what you gotta do. He uh, he was one of the big supporters of you know, every organization, the court and TTRA, all the early social groups. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really interesting history. That just that one little area. Yeah, I'm just, it's so. I'm we're gonna have listen. Gonna this have is to. a cinematic episode, <laughs> but we we're are gonna, gonna dig to. into we're all gonna that. about gay history. Yeah, girl. Well, but this no, is, I'm re- listen. I'll sit here all day. And listen oh, I know. To I told it. you on the way over. It's like I've had this. I, everywhere I go in town, I, I do that. Oh, that used to be a gay bar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally passed one just down the street from you guys. So, And what was the name of that one? Uh, it used to be called The Other Place. Uh, the Other Place was at four different locations. It was a very popular bar. But what a clever name. I love it. The, the Other place. place. The Other Place, yeah. I saw a play on Broadway called The Other Place with Laurie Metcalf. She was amazing. Ooh. She always is. I love she Laurie Metcalf. Always Aunt is. Jackie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we are definitely going to have. Well, this won't be the first or last time. <laughs> Just the yeah, we're gonna have you on. We're gonna talk Fort anytime. Worth anytime. Um, but let's um, let's kind of dig into the celluloid closet. Well, you guys asked me about you know movies that were an important part of our history, and I you know picture it, Sicily, nineteen ninety six. The year was 1996. Okay, hold on. And if you pause. don't know that, mm-hmm. pause. 
which golden girl do you identify as? <gasps> oh, okay. oh, I thought you uh, literally were going to be like, oh, no, Paul's going to have to edit something out. I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to know. This is an important Can question to ask everybody. Uh, give me a minute. You're Dorothy. Oh, you're Sophia. No, I get Dorothy, too. Yeah, it's totally Dorothy. Ah! Okay. <laughs> 100% Dorothy. Okay, wait, let's do Roger. Uh, <laughs> um... Blanche. Yeah. I yeah. feel like I do. Yeah. Blanche. Blanche. Yeah. Yeah. Do me. You're Dorothy. No, no. you identify with Rose. Do you think I identify with Rose? No, you're, you're Blanche. <laughs> Clearly not. You're Blanche uh, Do too. you think? No, I'm not Blanche. I'm Sophia. You're Sophia? Really? Absolutely. All right. Stan. Okay. Because I'm very. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was hateful. Ooh, that, that was hateful. That, that was hateful. Was hateful. Done. Because. And listen, I've taken many an internet quiz to solve this. <laughs> because she can be very hard with her words. She can be very sharp sometimes. But she is protective as shit if someone comes after someone she loves. That's where I identify with her. And I'm a consummate smartass. So yeah, I was always <laughs> She was always my favorite. I like the company of men. You do. <laughs> you do. Yeah. I hope I get laid more than Dorothy. Poor Dorothy. She um, was just dry as a bone. Y'all. Dorothy got laid a lot. She did. Did she? Yes. I mean, you, you I mean they all had regular boyfriends. Absolutely. Like consistent boyfriends. Yeah, Dorothy got laid a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, listen, I really just hate the way they talk to Rose. Dorothy was so mean to Rose. <laughs> anyway, we're devolving. Yes. Uh, back to the celluloid well, yes. closet. Uh, so Sicily, picture it. Yeah, picture it. <laughs> 1996. So I was working at the Fort Worth Star Telegram and went to Dallas. We used to go to Dallas to to pre-screen movies. So they would screen stuff for us before they opened the theaters. So Mike, Mike Price, who was the other film critic at the paper, he and I went to see this new documentary called The Celluloid Closet. Now, I had Vito Russo's book. I had scanned it, but I really hadn't, you know, sat down and read the whole thing from cover to cover. But I was familiar with it. And I knew the context of it. So I was excited about seeing the documentary. Well, the documentary, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say the documentary literally changed my life. I watched that movie. I was in tears at the end of it. There were so many just revelations for me as a, as a film fan, uh, you know, as a writer. I mean, I wrote a reviewed film for the Star-Telegram, but also as a gay man because I'd seen many of those movies and not made that and connection. Yeah. It, or you, it's like, oh, it didn't oh, even enter you. No. Your... Sometimes, you know, okay. it, it would just, you know, you get the little tickle in your head, but it was, it was never, I was never quite savvy enough to realize that's code for something. Mm-hmm. Well, you also didn't grow up in the 30s. No, exactly. <laughs> when I saw these movies like on TV, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of these things in, in the theater. Mm-hmm. But so the that movie... It came out in the beginning of became in the beginning of 1996. So in September of 96, I started a film discussion group at TCU, which was my alma mater, uh, called Queer Cinema. And my goal, I, I partnered with a friend of mine named Sean Moore, who was the president of the Tarrant County Lesbian Gay Alliance. So we were going to promote the alliance and do this monthly film. So we were able to show. We got a room at the Radio TV Film Department. And they had a little mini theater. So we showed the cellular closet and I use the cellular closet as kind of a syllabus for the movies that I felt 
our community needed to see because most of these films weren't even available. This Were was, you teaching or was this a, just a like little discussion? Both. Yeah, I thought we did. We'd have a big discussion. That sounds like a fabulous syllabus. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> we'd have a discussion afterwards because a lot of these films were troubling, you know, right. for young gay people who were comfortable with their sexuality to watch these movies about, you know, tortured gay people. And, you know, The Cellular Closet does a great job of explaining the different eras mm -hmm. of how gays were portrayed from the sissies to, you know, the, we became villains we, where we always had to die at the end. And we showed in a lot of those movies. So, like, some of the films that we showed at, at TCU, Victim, The Killing of Sister George, Boys in the Band, uh, The Children's Hour, Personal Best, Making Love, um, and then some of the sillier stuff like The Gay Deceivers and Is That You, Norman?, um, and, uh, well, cruising, we did cruising. That's a tough one. That's, and, uh, I I've seen cruising. I've never seen it. Oof. I don't know if I could, I, we should see it. I mean, I know I should see it. We should, I think we should watch that and do an episode on it. It'd be a good one. That'd be a fantastic okay. one to do one. And cause you could talk about it. It has a fascinating history. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the thing I love about cruising I is, will, so I watched it this week. This, I was, a, I'm a newbie to right. the celluloid closet. And so that was the first time I realized that I didn't know that there was like national outcry about. It. Oh yeah, like from both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it was universally despised. Like there was so much, kind of like you're describing him about watching the celluloid closet. Mm -hmm. Similar feelings for me of just like I want to know so much more now. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know these things, especially the code. Like now I want to understand the code. Okay. I want to know even more. Um, I don't know if we even really kind of said what but like the celluloid closet is essentially it's a documentary about gay films in hollywood from kind of the beginning of the of the film age leading up to at that point was 1995 right um and really talking about um how gay films either developed or gay characters uh yeah it really in, wasn't even it wasn't really even gay film it was it was just the depiction of of LGBT people on screen. So, mm -hmm. you know, they start with one of the very earliest pieces of film that we know of, which is from the Edison studio. And it's it's uh, a man playing a violin into a megaphone and there are two men dancing with one mm -hmm. another. And it's a lovely image and it, mm -hmm. it begins the film and kind of sets the, you know, the tone for the rest of the movie. But so much of it was, you know, and it starts with the early days and it's in the silence, Charlie Chaplin films and some of these other early silence where you know, gays were depicted in kind of swishy, stereotypical fashion. Well, and the documentary speaks to how it's not just film. Like it's, it's, it's. It, I, I think I love how they lead the documentary with it shaped society's view oh, yeah. of queer people, mm -hmm. and it shaped how queer people viewed themselves. Yeah. Well, the movies have always done that. The movies, the movies are, you know, in many ways meant to be a mirror. On, on, on us, but they also teach us how to behave. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people in the films, in the, in the in the documentary, talk about how it shaped them, how it taught them how to be a man, it taught them how to date, it taught them how to interact with other people. And, you know, there's a particularly powerful moment about later in the film where they talk about how prevalent the word fag was or, or derogatory terms toward gays and they played this this the montage like 20 the montage is insane yeah. of people saying it and i remember every one of those movies mm, and you yeah. you know it's funny to me now we talk about this all the time we look back on just you know a decade ago about at movies and how 
I watch things that were made a decade ago and cringe mm-hmm. because oh, they yeah. were think we were that's how much we've changed. Oh, in such why, a short watching them in college, like like you said, yeah, yeah. it's that inkling. It's like go back and watch John. They, Hughes they say that you're so. watching a movie, and it, they talk about this in the documentary. You're watching a movie. You're having a lovely time, and then out of nowhere, there's just calling someone a fag mm-hmm. or just some derogatory term tearing down you, your character, your community out of nowhere for no reason. And it takes you out. And it takes you out. And yeah. like, I mean, yeah. Watching- I had this experience on Broadway just just last week. And we went and saw Martin McDonough's new play called The Hangman. It's mm-hmm. a up for best play, for Tony. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of, you know, it's set in the early 60s and so there's it's it's it the plays about when uh capital punishment was overturned in great britain and there's a several very jarring moments where the characters who were obviously it's the 60s so they're making racial remarks they, they make some anti-gay remarks but we talked to a guy in front of us who was african-american he was one of the cast members of the Cur- uh, harry potter and the cursed child and he was talking about how it just completely yanked him out of the play because he and, you know, and my initial argument was, well, you know, this is meant to be a time it's meant to be a period piece it's meant to capture. And he's like, but what did that do for you? I mean, it's we true. can guess that the people mm-hmm. of that era were racist and homophobic and misogynistic. Yeah. But it's like, does that does having them say something? Is it does that make it? It's not to paint the pertinent picture. to the plot in, in any it's way. Not, yeah, and it, right, exactly. And I'm, you know, it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, why don't you shut up and listen to the black person talking about a racial issue the same way that, you know, I've gotten with, you know, straight friends when I talk about, let me, let me, as a gay person, you're talking about a gay issue. Let me yeah. tell you what I think. So it was, it was interesting. And that, and it made me rethink that whole concept. So it was, it was interesting revisiting the cellular closet again. But like I said, that the film inspired me to start queer cinema which developed into q cinema yeah. oh wow That's so awesome. <laughs> interestingly enough we, we changed it you know queer cinema was actually queer cinema was actually the name of a of, of a film movement that started in the early 90s with movies like uh, edward the second and my own private idaho and mm-hmm. swoon and and things like that uh poison um but you know we argued and debated for a long time queer was such a buzzword uh, that raised the hackles of a lot of people in our well, community. Well, it was, I mean, imagine back then it was received a lot differently than it right. would be received Absolutely. today. Well, and, and we, there was the perception that, you know, we wouldn't be able to get publicity because publications were right? yeah, literally be publicizing that afraid word. to say it. And so I caved and we went with Q Cinema. And I, you know, that, that was how Q Cinema began. And I, you know, I was artistic director for 14 years and it's still going. So it's, it's one of those, you know, that I, that was why that movie was so important because it just, it just made me see the world through different eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm fascinated that some of those movie, some of those movies that are featured in the movie that when you saw it at that point, you were just kind of gobsmacked by or were like, oh, that, that, that movie? Well, it's like my, one of my favorite moments. And again, because he's just, I, I adore him. He was just such a great personality. Uh, Gore Vidal. Uh, I loved Gore Vidal. I loved Gore Vidal. Every time he was on any talk show, I would just watch him because he was such such a, 
He was such a catty bitch. Yes, and just his intonation. Mm -hmm. So I mean, just like so completely dry. Listen, that whole documentary was full of. Oh yeah, characters. Oh, who knew how to enunciate the moment? Harvey. Yeah, because they both have like Quentin Crisp has a great line about you know talking about sissies and why they were perceived as such a negative stereotype because there is no greater sin mm-hmm. than to be a woman. <laughs> but uh, but no, Vidal's telling a story about he. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Like, Gore Vidal knows you're talking about it, right? The spirit uh, just spoke this up. Bitch. I'm sorry. Were you speaking of me? <laughs> what were you about um, to say? The ghost of Gore is haunting me. Um, <laughs> but no, Gore was commenting about he wrote the screenplay for Ben Hur. Mm-hmm. So Ben Hur is like you know classic film. Mm-hmm. Most people have seen it. Charlton mm-hmm. Heston, uh, this big epic. You know, as he called, I loved his phrase for it. This gorgeously junky historical epic. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about trying to make the two char- lead characters more interesting. So he approached the director and, and talked to him about, well, what if we made them former lovers and they were reuniting and you could have that as an undercard? Because I, I obviously won't say any of it, mm-hmm. you know, directly. And he said, well, don't tell Chuck because he'll he'll fall to pieces. Uh, but they told the other actor and I can't remember the other uh, Stephen Boyd. No. I don't, that's maybe sounds right. Maybe. But they told him. And then you watch the scene. And when you're watching it, you're just like, how did I not see this before? Mm-hmm. He is just moon eyed mm-hmm. staring at Charlton Heston. And he, there's that one moment where they're, they've got their arms clutching. And he's like, he's, you could see his thumb. And it's just like uh-huh. rubbing on Charlton Heston's. <laughs> and, and Heston is like oblivious. Yeah. But the, the, what 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 Charlton Heston is giving back is also just you can tell that Charlton Heston is is playing in the moment. Oh yeah, you know he's he's playing to this affection he's that responding. this man is showing him, which is all Gore Vidal's way of trying to get subtext out of a man who would absolutely not have given it if he had known. Girl, right. that 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 is some gay ass manipulation. That is what the conservatives. <laughs> That is what the conservatives are afraid of. You manipulative bitch. That's, they figured out our agenda. <laughs> that moment, like when he explained that and he, the moment where he was like, don't tell Chuck. Like that just like, I don't know. There's just something about the, the layers that that took. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. To get where he wanted, but he knew with the time that specific person he was dealing with, the layers to that, that he literally couldn't even bring it up to him. And he's in the fucking movie. And this Ooh. was 1958? 58. It came out in 1959. Because that would crumble somebody. That would crumble a queer person trying to survive and trying to do their, oh, yeah. Yeah. Do their job. Well, and, and you know, a, a big chunk of the cellular closet, too, is talking about how Hollywood basically sanitized yeah. so many original stories that had queer content in them to begin with. I right. mean, we're the plays of Tennessee Williams or oh, any of these that is, you know, where queer characters were basically just completely changed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, so th- or, they, you know, homophobia became anti-Semitism or what, it, you know, they, um, they focus a lot on suddenly last summer. Yeah. In, in, in the celluloid closet, uh, starring, uh, Montgomery, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, Catherine Hepburn, uh, Montgomery Clift, I believe. I think, I think he was the doctor. Yeah. And I can't remember who, 
Sebastian was, but well, uh, well, Sebastian is never shown mm -hmm. from the back. But so I, I worked at a theater where, uh, in New York when they did a, an off Broadway production of Suddenly the Last. See, summer. I've never seen. I've always wanted to see. Oh, I loved the it. Play. And it was Blythe Danner, mm -hmm. Carla oh Gugino, Gail Harold from Queer as Folk. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Becky Ann Baker, who uh, from Girls. <clears throat> Um, is the theater version the same concept of never showing the man that was queer? Well, yeah, because he's not, they talk about him, but he's not a, they talk about him as a character, mm -hmm. but he's never an actual character that appears on stage. Okay. So Carla Gugino is, is playing the Elizabeth Taylor role and they make no, in the actual stage play, there is no kind of hiding the fact that he is, you know, he's procuring that he's, you know, using her to procure young boys to have mm -hmm. sex with where in the movie you know they talk about how they have to basically sanitize it and um and never well they show a lot of those things where they're just like he's like explain it spit uh -huh. it out and she's exactly. just like i was a procurer exactly and that's the full stop of the yeah. statement and i believe i've seen cat on the hot tin roof several times on on the broadway so cat in the hot tin roof was one that really that's one that took me out like when you were i was watching the movie enjoying it following it mm -hmm. and then it took the gay turn mm -hmm. and it was dealt with so coded without saying and look just looked down upon that even me like it, it was one of the things that really like i was enjoying an old movie just enjoying the cinema and then all of a sudden i was like wow there's this whole topic that they're dancing around and they won't say it for us. They won't give us the satisfaction of saying, you know, this is what it was. I don't know. That one, that that movie specifically, really. Yeah. Well, and Vito, Vito, who wrote the book, uh, he passed in 81. So he missed a lot of the, you know, the real beginning of, uh, you know, the gay film resurgence. I mean, there were a few biggies. I mean, Boys in the Band came out in 69, 70. 70 yeah. Well, the so, movie in 70. Yeah. The play was 69. So the so the movie, and, and, you know, Boys in the Band, we had talked about this prior, but Boys in the Band was like, that was the revelation I for still me. haven't seen the 70 version. I've only seen the, the See, modern version. I hadn't version. seen the film when I saw Cellular Closet. And I watched the clips, and I'm like, I have to find this movie. Oh, the first, the first time, in 96. First, yeah. So 96, I saw it, and I'm like, I had not seen Boys in the Band. And it was just, you couldn't find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was that was my biggest challenge doing queer cinema was finding these movies. Yeah, tracking this them pre, down. There was no, you know, there was no streaming. No. There was no YouTube. There was no nothing. There wasn't even uh, mail was, you a DVD Netflix. Well, well, <laughs> well, 96 was the tail end of VHS. Yeah. No, I mean. I showed a lot of those films on VHS mm -hmm. because that was the only thing that was available at the time. Most of them hadn't been transferred to DVD yet. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, I was watching VHS well into the 2000s. <laughs> but yes. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I, Boys in the Band, I sought it out, found it, and that movie was. Do you remember where you found it? I think I ordered it from like TLA or one of the big gay mm -hmm. film distribution houses. And we ended up, Q Cinema ended up screening it. We got a 35 millimeter print and showed it. And um, in 2000, I actually starred as Michael in a stage production of it mm -hmm. here in Fort Worth. 
uh, at, at um, that sounds intense. It is, theater. <laughs> it is yeah. a, it is a play that I would want to do. And if I were will to do it, I would want to play Michael. It's will y'all break down Boys in the Band for folks? Uh, so Boys in the Bands, it's you know, it's it's about a group of gay men. It's in many ways, it's kind of the gay retelling of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in some way. Oh, that's a good <laughs> which I but I mean the gay who's afraid of Virginia Woolf is who's, is afraid, who's of afraid of Virginia Woolf, exactly. <laughs> but uh, so the premise is uh, Michael is having a birthday party for a friend of his, mm-hmm. and he's invited all of his friends, uh, all of whom are out gay men who work in various jobs, uh, and they all show up, and unbeknownst to him, a friend, a high school friend of his calls at the last minute and says he's in town and wants to talk to Michael, and Michael's like, well, I'm having a party for some friends because he doesn't want him to come because he's straight. Uh, his friend ends up breaking down and crying o- over the phone, and so Michael reluctantly asks him to come over. And it's, you know, <laughs> insanity ensues from there. Everyone, Hilarity well, ensues. Yeah, Michael's a, an alcohol... Hilarity. Hilarity. Don't, yeah. don't, don't set these people up for this movie. Michael is, a, is an angry drunk, yes. and he proceeds to just get snockered and lacerate everybody. But, you know, Harold, who was the party who was the person they're throwing the party for is the one person that knows michael's achilles heel so well and isn't afraid of him in that yeah in that state and is very the the one friend of his that can stand up to him toe to toe what was it they said in the documentary where they were like the boys in the band was a film of of like gay men looking at themselves yeah yeah well and it was the first time, and so so Mark, Matt, Mark Crowley, Mark Crowley, mm-hmm. Mark Crowley. So the play premiered before the Stonewall riots, and then the movie came out after mm-hmm. the Stonewall riots, and so and also I believe that he was friends with Audrey Hepburn, so she helped fi- uh, no Natalie Wood. He was friends with Natalie Wood, mm-hmm. and he, she helped finance the off-Broadway production oh, well, and, with some yeah, friends. And the director, you know, is William Friedkin, who most people know from The French Connection, The Exorcist, mm-hmm. you know, one of Hollywood's great directors, also went on to direct Cruising, <laughs> which is interesting. interesting. Um, so he directed this very, you know, highly acclaimed, the first real Hollywood the depiction of gay men like the, the Exorcist, playing though. gay men. <laughs> and then this other one that became, you know, this universally right. reviled but at home. that time, this was this was how at least this particular group of gay men reacted. I mean, this was still coming this was coming out of the sexual revolution of the mid sixties mm-hmm. and um really being able to kind of have this kind of open and free sexual life in New York City with your friends, but the the veil of the closet is still there. Well, they're also when, especially they're also when his friend comes from in it, from it, you know, and exactly they are reeling from being told that this is still not. You know, and it's, it's like it's, it, it's like you get that space to be yourself, but it's like the first place you can actually fucking breathe. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all you have is all this vitriol mm-hmm. from what you've been dealing with, right? Well, it's what, what Harold says. I think they show this clip in the celluloid closet when Harold tells Michael, look, you can go on and you can live a heterosexual life. You will still be a homosexual. Mm-hmm. 
Always. Always. Always till the day you die. Um, but it follow. It still follows that line of just like, yes, we're being shown, but we're still being shown as uh, tragic figures. Right. Well, you and saw the, the uncomfortability of the guy in the documentary. Oh, he yeah. was like, of the, of- I identified with all of them. Yeah. And that's who I was. A little piece of me in is, that time well, period. He's like, yeah. Well, there and and the the you know, I, it's hard because it is it is a heavy play and it's a heavy movie. But the thing that I try to come back to is it's very very funny. It is very oh, it's hilarious. It just has I I, it is very I funny. to this day they quote, are oh my god their humor is, and right yeah. And uh, you know, the, they're you know his car- his friends run. It takes the you gamut, through the whole gamut. Oh yeah, because they're the a, they're gamut. very straight acting, straight appearing gay men, and then there are just you know, yeah, uh, Emery, who my one of my best friends in the world, Lon Barrera, who played Emery in the show with me, um, just you know could not be you know mm-hmm. gay as Christmas, and <laughs> and unre- and unrepentant and re- and refusing. You know, yeah. this is our space. To compromise. So your not straight friend came space. into our space. So I'm not going to butch it up for him yeah. because I'm here with my friends. And, you know, it's it's tough. And I remember when we screened it at TCU, it, it, the discussion afterwards was really hard because, you know, Michael hasn't, you know, not, not to spoiler alert, Michael, who is the host of the party, after he's just, you know, made a complete ass of himself in front of all of his friends, he has a, basically has a nervous breakdown. And he has this line, you know, if we could just not hate ourselves so very much. And that really bothered a lot of the people in the crowd. They were like, why is this movie so beloved? And, you know, because this is such this is this is such self-loathing, you know, nonsense. And it's like, well, this is you know, this is a period piece, fellas. You know, it's like I mean, people also grew uh, that's what. You grew up with so much hate directed towards you. Yeah. Well, and we all still carry a little internalized homophobia. It's like a one little. Of the, one of the women in the movie talks about, you know, no matter how out I am and how many signs I hold up, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still there's a little part of me that's still somewhat ashamed. Because, well, listen, as advanced as we can be, it doesn't matter. We're still in a heteronormative society. Mm-hmm. We're in a society and a lot of churches. And the spaces as children that you are put into that tell you to quiet, don't talk about it. even school, even in this world we live in. Going to school is about falling in line. Mm-hmm. Don't stand out. Don't cause mm-hmm. a scene. Don't make people pick on you because that just stirs shit up. You know, mm-hmm. I but I where I would amend where we're at today. I think, you know, we all still deal with that internalized homophobia. I feel like we we. Not that we have enough. I think there could still be more messages of self-empowerment and understanding that, you know, we're working to view ourselves better is the kindness towards others. Oh, yeah. It's because it is such all that all that messaging causes us to turn so far inward and to go through our own pain that, yes, okay, now we've been able to be empowered to believe in ourselves. Can we believe in ourselves so much that we can now extend that kindness to people who have also been through the same shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and I, you know, just to put a little code on this, I, I would recommend you haven't, you haven't seen the, the 70 version. Mm-hmm. I would, mm-hmm. I would watch the 70 version and then I would definitely watch the remake on Netflix. Oh, I've watched the remake. Oh, you have. So yeah. you saw it with the, with the Broadway cast. I watched the remake. It took me through a full 
emotional roller coaster. (laughs) Netflix. I wasn't prepared. Roger had tried to prepare me. He's like, hey, it's intense. And I saw them on stage too. Yeah, I did too. We we saw it. I went with Lon and, you know, we sat together and saw it. And it was, that was an, you know, an experience in and of itself. But I was absolutely just blown away by the Netflix remake. I Mm -hmm. thought they did a spectacular job. In many ways, I think it's better than the original. I also think it's just amazing for that particular story property to have come back in a way where you're literally casting it with out and proud actors mm-hmm. who the original cast, who is also in the original movie, right? The the um, in the seventies movie, you had a mixture of gay and straight, mostly gay though, mostly gay mm-hmm. uh, people. But um, a lot of them were told not to take the play. Oh yeah, because it would it would pigeonhole them. It would you know it would be a dent to their careers. And in many ways, it was. You for, know, yeah, for you know, Leonard Frey, who played Harold, was just a fantastic actor. But he, you know, he barely worked after that. He had. And the, I think the guy that played Hank was probably the most successful. And but he was, you know, he was character actor, so he was always popping up on Columbo or mm-hmm. McMillan and Wife or whatever mm-hmm. you know mystery shows were on at that era. But Leonard Frey, I loved because he was, you know, I was a big fan of you know the the funny gay men in the early days, even when I before I knew that they were gay. So I was like. Paul Lind on on Hollywood Squares <laughs> and Charles Nelson Riley and those guys I just loved them I didn't know why mm-hmm. but um, isn't that weird I isn't know, that weird looking back how even if we don't know what gay is mm-hmm. and we don't know that it's in a like uh, it's an attraction or a love that we have for somebody how we still are pulled to them what was that particular style of wit and it's like it's so funny to go back and watch like Hollywood Squares I religiously watched it at my grandma's. Really? My I loved Hollywood Squares. And Paul I saw Lynn, the Whoopi version. And I, I mean, for most people, I, yeah, a lot of people was don't around remember for the Paul Lynn. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, most shit, people know him from Bewitched. He was Uncle Arthur in Bewitched. Who mm-hmm. has the blonde I know, hair? As, uh, Samantha? John Rivers? Uh, no. Wait, sorry, what? Glasses. He's the, a writer. Oh, Bruce Valanche. Bruce, Bruce Valanche, yes. Bruce yeah. Valanche. Um, That's I, when I was watching I know, We brought uh, to town like three times. Oh, yeah. I met him one time in Fort Worth when we brought him to town. Um, it was a high moment for me. Yeah, <laughs> I was Adore like, Bruce. I will yeah. forever remember meeting him. Adore Bruce. Paul Lind, I know from uh, Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah, yeah. He sang kids. Kids. Lawrence. I was in Bye Bye Birdie in high school. The most annoying musical ever. Lawrence Luckenbill, who was in the original, um, boys and band. Yes, he played Hank. Um, is married to Lucy Arnaz. Oh wow, I know that since 1980. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. So one of the things that about the celluloid closet that I, since we're talking about <laughs> uh, the people in Boys in the Band, you know, the fact that movie came from the 70s up to a point now where you have actually out and proud actors who are all working. Right. Is that this movie really kind of focused more on queer characters and queer stories and not except for Rock Hudson not touching upon their personal lives any of the act any actual gay lesbian queer actors actresses and and their careers it focused more on the stories and not on the performers except when they get to talking about rock hudson and the doris day movies right yeah where and 
ironically, in a lot of those Rock Hudson Doris Day comedies, he, you know, he pretends to be gay at one point. It was kind of a regular kind of trope mm-hmm. within those movies, which was, you know, in, they make Throw a comment the about scent. a gay man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. A gay man playing a straight man pretending to be a gay man. So it was, yeah, those were, and I had seen a lot of those too. I, I adored those movies, but the, um, yeah, they really, I mean, you know, and there were rumors in those days. They had, we the, we had the, the same kind of magazines. Confidential did a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. who's gay in Hollywood kind of stuff in, those, in that era. I just, I just found it fascinating because I love, like, the story of, not the story, I mean, but, like, you know, Anthony Perkins shows up, you know, in the cellular clock. Like, he, you know, oh, yeah. he shows up as in a clip. He's not... But I'm like, Anthony Perkins, big old queer homo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, where's the tab hunters of the world? Mm-hmm. You know, um, they talk about Marlena. Was Marlena Dietrich bisexual? It it was, yeah, pretty. I mean, kind of somewhat believed. I would assume so. I mean, regardless of whether or not she was, it was she was an icon. For Absolutely. Yeah. She's well, been an icon for queer folks. And I think I can say for queer women forever yeah and the movie morocco which is you know a classic image that is used to promote the cellular closet in a lot of ways it was on our poster mm-hmm. of marlena in a, in a full tuxedo and top hat right and a performing in a in a lounge is oh know, that um the one of the talking heads is Susie bright right and she's talking about morocco and, mm-hmm. And she's like, what is this? Who is this? Oh, yeah. I know. But, she's got a relationship with Gary Cooper, but she, she kisses, she like gives a woman, she takes a flower from the woman and kisses her. And she's like, I want to know who's that woman? What's going on with there? What's uh-huh. going on in that relationship? <laughs> she had another, she had another thing that I la- I laughed at because I was just like, oh my gosh, she sounds so scandalized and she loves it. Um, when they're talking about the movie Rebecca. Oh, yeah. And she's talking about the maid. And she's mm-hmm. like, and then there was this... <laughs> This moment that was just so gay and 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 they show it and then she's just so like <gasps> she's like oh she, she opens her underwear the underwear drawer <laughs> and I had to I had to pause it it is so sensuous, sensuous. I had to remind she's holding it. it up to like you can see your hand through it yeah. and I was just like oh my god yeah. and I'm like I'm like I know it is because it's it was, I mean it was like straight or gay. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it was so slow and so sensual. Well, I think and what, so Daughters of Darkness, I think is is it was it Daughters of Darkness with the vampire woman? Dracula's or, daughter. Or Dracula's daughter, maybe. Yeah. Um, daughter of Dracula. That was you know, that's another one where, you know, that character where she's just like about to prey on her mm-hmm. is you know, like, wow. I also liked oh, I'm I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's uh, when they say, you know, you can only portray lesbians in prison. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they show the the clip of the woman going, if I didn't say yes to Kitty, what makes you think oh. I'll say yes to you? And the, 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 the guard, the lesbian guard is just like, she's, she's cute. Cute trick. Cute trick. <laughs> cute trick. Um, so I'm curious for you guys mm-hmm. as younger Slightly younger than me, marginally young enough to be my younger brothers. Um, <laughs> what what was like the first pinnacle gay film for you? What it, that you may have stumbled across, or that you had always wanted to see? That you were like, oh my gosh, 
I, I, this is one of my favorite movies and, and I think it was the first time that I, it was like, okay, those are gay characters. They're not necessarily gay characters that I identify with, although now I probably do. Um, but it also is such a fantastical world. Um, but it, it really was, uh, to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Julie Newmar. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me as, as, as a young, as a kid, being able to actually understand that these were men that dressed as women, but that liked men. Mm-hmm. That, 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 I think that for me was, um, and I don't know, I feel like maybe like, maybe like in and out. Not really? You know, no, I've never not, seen it. Not and too out. long after, but also like those are like two long. But it was very nineties. It was yeah. very like yeah, and it was it was in many ways it was just borderline being on yeah. the edge of being insulting. Right. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. To Wong Fu, um, but it was a gay betrayal, so it was like it, like they did talk about the movie, so we were right. just starved to see ourselves yeah. on screen. Well, and isn't In and Out written by Paul Rudnick? I maybe yeah, and it was a it was a big studio film, so it was released yeah. in theaters. It wasn't yeah. like you know an, an art house indie. I mean, and To Wong Fu was Douglas Carter Bean. I mean, these are these are. New York playwrights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think in turn, and I think not too long after that, but you know, I, I mentioned it early in an earlier podcast. But I mentioned Broken Hearts Club was one where I was just like, okay, that is what I can see and what envision a friend group would be like. Is that where Meanwhile comes from? I think that we borrowed that. Meanwhile, anytime meanwhile. you see a cute guy, yes, you're that's exactly. Like, meanwhile, meanwhile. <laughs> yes, that's exactly where that comes from. We 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 got that, and and what was the one we used to say? Hiya, which was from the British queerest folk. Hiya, ah, hiya. Yeah. Have you see some cute guy? What about you, Tyler? I honestly, I didn't start digging into cinema the way I wanted to until college, mm-hmm. and so, uh. It's not a queer film, but the first film that really grabbed a hold of me was Johnny Depp and Crybaby. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That film, like, as a young man, I was like, I am infatuated with this man in his underwear crawling mm-hmm. through the sewer, whatever. <laughs> but it wasn't, I didn't, I, when I was in college. And Tracy Lords, oh my was, God. Oh my God. Beat it, creep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. I do. Um, in college, I went from small town. I went from Mansfield, and was not in a home that was affirming at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, when I got to college, I was like, "This is where I'm going to explore my identity." I went to small town, fucking Kansas, but oh Netflix was doing their DVDs in the mail. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so that was my tie to the queer community, and so I was getting anything gay off of Netflix. So, was do you remember the first one, Latter Days? Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Latter Days was the first movie I grabbed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it grabbed onto me as like, oh, this is. And of course, it has all the religious connotation and whatever. And so it was like, it very much appealed to me. But then it was from there that I started my education backwards. Right. Because I grabbed it first and I was like, oh, this is a way that I can access queer culture being in the middle of fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started renting the Priscilla and Queen of the Desert, you know, renting all, renting all of them to Wong Fu, mm-hmm. all of that. I can tell you the first gay film festival that I went to was, was in Dallas. That's Outtakes. a lie. That's a lie. It was here. It was in Fort Worth. It was in Sundance Square. 
that was mine. Was it Q Cinema? It, it probably was. No, no, I don't know who else it was wasn't gonna another do it. one. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was when you remember what movie you saw? Yes, it was Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes, we premiered it in Texas. Yes. Bitch, you went to his I did. I oh my this. god, it's amazing. That was my festival. Was, I introduced that movie. It was um it was the movie. I love this. It, I we uh my friend, <laughs> I believe Danielle and Lauren went with me. Um we went to go see that and then and then I moved to New York for college. Yeah, it was at the Sundance Eleven. Yes, I uh, I had gotten a call. I gotten a call from New Line. <gasps> I love this. I love this. Yeah, I so love this. I got a call from New Line. So you know, this at the time, bullshit. because I was a because <laughs> I was a film critic, I had connections to all the studios. Mm -hmm. So I would reach out to them, like, "Hey, do you have any gay content coming up that we could do?" And so New Line reached out to me and said, "Hey, we have this film called Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Would you be interested?" And I said, can you get me a screener? And they said, no, we can't get you a screener. You would have to agree to it sight unseen. So I turned to Mark Lowry. Who, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I turned to Mark Lowry, who was our who was a theater writer for us. And he had seen Hedwig and the Ian Ranch in the the old the old hotel. At the Jane. Yeah, at the, the Jane, Jane Street in, Theater in uh, in New York. And he had raved about it when he came back. And I was like, hey, I got an opportunity to show the movie it's directed by john cameron mitchell starring john cameron mitchell i don't know i mean i'm like it's a musical about a sex change operation gone wrong and mm -hmm. I, I don't know and he was like show it and i'm do like it. are you sure i mean I'm, do you think it. it's gonna bite me in the ass i'm like show it i'm like okay so i showed it i introduced it and i'm very much like guys we don't know what we're walking I'm, into i've not seen it i've not i never got to see the musical unfortunately uh, so I'm I will be watching it with you with fresh eyes like everyone else, and it was about when the origins of love kicked in that I was like best decision ever you ever made yeah and it just it blew everybody's mind in the theater and um so yeah that where was did one you of those... play it downtown hmm where did you screen it downtown it was at the Sundance Eleven which is not even yeah. exist anymore it's you know next to next to Four Day Weekend. Yeah. The forty weekend theater. I don't know what that is now. Oh, it's the it's the the Red Goose whatever. Red Goose Inn. Yeah. Red Goose Saloon. Red That's Goose exactly. Yeah. No, that is so crazy. That's hilarious. <laughs> that, that I is, love that. That is the first I remember before uh heading back to New York. Heading back to New York, heading to New York for college uh for the first time, uh for the first semester, freshman year. That was one thing that I did. It's like I want to go see this, so yeah. But that I think that speaks to not just like small town Fort Worth shit, whatever. Again, that speaks to what we've talked about in a previous podcast: queer people finding queer spaces. It's a small community mm -hmm. already, and so even though you are from different places, from different times, whatever, the fact that there are so few spaces mean you are going to cross paths. Oh yeah, with queer mm -hmm. people. I mean, I love that. There was yeah. a stand-up comic that used to do a joke about, you know, how when you're out and people know, you know, you're the only gay person they know. And, you know, oh, I have a gay friend that lives in Idaho. Yeah. Do you know him? His name's Bill. It's like, oh, yeah, gay Bill from Idaho. And then you're like. And then you're like, wait, is it Bill is he Johnson? Blonde? I'm like, I do <laughs> know Bill. Is, is he blonde? <laughs> is his name Bill Johnson? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no Bill. Yeah. Okay, I have to come back. I have to do better than Latter Days because I remembered something. Okay. So, and this is, I mean, it still trademarked me for a time. Um, when I was in high school, mm -hmm. I came out when I was 16, when I was a sophomore, I had two really best friends at the time, straight girl, straight guy. Um, my straight guy friend, Chris was a great friend and 
he was like, it was just some random day and we would, we were always going to the movies together, whatever. And he was like, Hey, I was reading and this was senior year after I'd been gay for a year. He was like, Hey, I was reading the newspaper that this gay film is coming out with Jake Gyllenhaal and oh, back mountain Heath Ledger Heath yeah. Ledger and I was like what and he literally handed me like the from the star telegram like the little display and I was like oh he's like do you want to go see it like he's like it's not my bag I know it's your bag but it's also up for an Oscar so I kind of want to see it yeah and I was like okay and so um it was only showing at the Angelica the two little boys in Mansfield we lied to our parents <laughs> about where we were going. They were like, where are you going? We're like, we're going to a movie. And how old were you? It's in Arlington. I was 18. Okay. It was, and we told them we were going to Arlington. We went all the way to Dallas. <laughs> went to the Angelica. Saw the movie. Came back. Both loved it. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I know that dates all of me. None of my movies are old, but it, it it's what like well, it's what I was exposed mm-hmm. to. When I, I tell up, you I mean, mine, you're going to both feel like, wow. Oh my Lord. God, what is yours? So... The year was 1988. The year. Picture it. Picture it. I had did not come out until 1991. I was 26 okay. when I came out. Okay. So I was a late bloomer. But Already established in Fort Worth, though. Yeah. Well, and I, I in the 90s, I, yeah, right. Early 90s was, you know, it was when Don't Ask, Don't Tell and, and uh, all that stuff was making national headlines and that kind of helped me make that next step but Mm -hmm. in 1988 i was very much closeted and i went and saw and had to review towards song trilogy (gasps) i still have never seen it don't oh i haven't seen it yet listen i okay i loved seeing seeing harvey firestein in the celluloid closet because i've been reading his memoirs right Mm-hmm. Which is fabulous. I'm also actually listening to it as well because you you have to listen to it in his cookie. own voice. Yes. Hello, it's cookie. fabulous. Well, and so I saw the movie and interviewed Harvey. So Harvey was there, mm-hmm. and I. Where were you at? Uh, this is in Dallas uh, where they did the screening. I work. I was working at the Denton Record Chronicle at that time. So I graduated TCU, and I went and interviewed him. And then we went to a part. There was a party afterward after the screening, and so I got a picture with him. And I remember talking to him and he, he was very nice and, you know, the picture is, he's very young, I'm 88, but um, I remember he just fucking nailed me as far as, he's like, so how long have you been out or something like that? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not gay. He's like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like... Not you uh, in the closet meeting Harvey, Harvey Firestein. Firestein. He's like, which is yeah. quite honestly the gayest thing I've ever heard. Ever. Yeah. Oh, when you see the picture, I'm like, girl, please. I mean, I could not look gayer. I had a uh, scarf around my <laughs> neck, and it was just like, you know, the 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 sleeves rolled up, like the uh, vice, you know, kind of black honey, jacket. Honey. And Harvey was like, honey, you know, it was I. That was that was Girl. I I owned that VHS and those this is when when once I moved In to New York school? no uh, New York okay once I moved to New York I was you know I I saw things like Longtime Companion mm-hmm. uh, Torch Song Trilogy uh, Love Valor Compassion mm-hmm. um, but I remember I had already I had already purchased uh, Torch Song Trilogy on VHS and then now it's the year two thousand three summer of two thousand three and Hairspray has premiered on Broadway starring Harvey Firestein. starring Harvey Firestein as Edna Turnblad mm-hmm. and 
I was waiting in line uh, in front of the Neil Simon Theater for uh, uh, cancellation tickets because Mm. it was a sold out hit. And Harvey is walking down 52nd Street. Is it 52nd Street? Uh, Eating ice cream. And he stops by the cancellation line and is just like... All of you here to see the play. See that you're here. You see you're here to buy tickets, and we're like, yeah, we're hopeful. And you know, I say, look, I, 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 I you probably hear this, but I just want to say, like, I love Torch Song Trilogy. You know, um, I just I, I bought it on VHS not too long ago, and he goes, oh, Cookie, so that's where that ten cents came from. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that was me. That's bas- that's basically all I had in my bank account at that point. And I said, yeah. And Torch Song, is just, it's another one that's just like, it's so funny. I mean, it's it's a gut punch. Oh, yeah. And I I, I had forgot. I went to see it. I, when they I just have to watch it now because I've heard I it saw the revival the too. And I just, I, I remember at the end of it, I was just, I was a puddle. I was just like almost sobbing. And there was this little Jewish woman sitting next to me. She's like, Darling, are you okay? And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'll be fine. Oh my God. Look, I'm going to bring it full circle for you, Tyler. Torch Song Trilogy the, is based on a play. Uh, uh, listen, I've, I want to know if you guys have read it because I know how it came to be. I fully know how it came oh, to yes, be. So you know. I haven't seen it yet. But I literally read. Oh, cause, yes, because you read it. Came yes. to be. Yes, yeah. I, I did. That was, I did purchase that book for him for his birthday. Oh, cool! Um, it was so a vacation you, read. It was beautiful. So you already know this full circle moment in that because we were talking about the Golden Girls earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Estelle Getty. Yeah. Plays his mother. Yeah. In the played his mother in, in the stage version. On Broadway, off Broadway as well. Definitely on Broadway. I yeah. think from the book, I don't think she played on Broadway. I think by the, by the time it was on Broadway, she was who played it in the one we saw on the revival. Uh, Mercedes Rule. Mercedes Rule. Yeah. Um, but then in the movie, it's Anne Bancroft. Right. And then the revival, it's uh, Michael Yuri in Harvey's role. Oh. And Mercedes Rule in the. Yeah. I saw the revival. Literally, like. Two and a half weeks, three weeks after my breakup. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, and it's like I was, I was sounds... feeling it in a completely different way. I, well, and I, after Doug died, my partner, twenty-four years, that you know, he didn't, he wasn't beaten to death, but that whole speech at the end mm-hmm. where he's yelling at his mother, you know, it just tore me a new one. But it was also, I mean, it's also ahead of its time. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. the fact that the character of Arnold is adopting a child yeah that's crazy in the 80s yeah like, that, that with unheard of unheard of um oh the monologue in the in the dark room like at least on the in play mm-hmm. when uh it's just there's so many and the movie has you know additional dialogue that's not in the play i think but there's you know two or three lines that i just quote constantly the one i like you know first one when he goes into the the back room at a bar Mm-hmm. to get a blowjob and he's he's got a beer yeah. can and like some guy like squats down in front of him and he's like oh my god what do i do with the beer can <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the other is ken page who was the other <sighs> drag queen yeah. and when his the love interest shows up at, at his show one night and it's just like you know staring at him at harvey all gaga and ken is like staring looking like Hello, I'm another person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that 
on stage, Matthew Broderick, Matthew Broderick played the son mm-hmm. and then plays the love interest in the movie. Right. <laughs> um, I love seeing Harvey in the celluloid closet. Uh, one, because Harvey's like a gay hero, but also Arthur Lawrence is one of the talking heads in mm-hmm. the celluloid closet. And Arthur Lawrence has a reputation for being the biggest asshole <laughs> on yeah. Broadway. Uh, he's dead now, so we can talk about. Uh, which like is essentially would stop us. Which is essentially what a lot of people said when uh, when he died. Um, but but they also wrote La Cage aux Folles, the Broadway musical, together. Mm-hmm. Harvey and Arthur Lawrence. Um, and Arthur Lawrence is also the book writer for West Side Story, right. the book writer for Gypsy, and uh, anyone can whistle. Um, is Arthur the one that makes the comment about? sissy characters yes because like arthur's insulted that by the sissy character and then they show very quickly harvey going i like i like the sissy and i totally agree with harvey and harvey has spoken about about that disagreement between the two of them Mm -hmm. uh before well and that's one of the things that you know i have a debate within our community because you know as i constantly have to remind people we are not a monolith Mm-hmm. The LGBTQA plus community, we don't agree on much of anything, actually. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, as a film festival director, would get into arguments with people about was the role of betrayal of gays on in TV and film. And I was with Harvey. It's like exposure at any cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen very few films or portrayals of gay people that insulted me. I've, I've been. It it takes a lot to insult me with a portrayal of a gay character. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it, because it, it, and it's all it, you know, as they say in the film, it's all about context. It's all where it's coming from. Is it coming from a place of hatred? Is it coming is from it a place camp? of ridicule? Right. Or is it coming from a place of camp? Because I've never seen a gay portrayal that was more broad than people I know in real life. So. True, I know you're... people who are ten times over the top of most of, of the gayest characters you've ever seen in movies. But you're also dealing with a group of people that are so ostracized from society, right? And dealing with their own pain and their own experience, exactly. And starving for representation. Um, and they even say it in in the movie, in in the celluloid closet, when you're when basically all you're getting is just crumbs. Yeah, you get so excited for that scene well and i i feel like we've gone the other way now i feel like we're not i don't feel like we're looking for crumbs anymore because we now have no we've every netflix and everywhere putting out all these different shows mm-hmm. um then now i i do think that i don't think we're begging for crumbs anymore but i think that we are past wanting to see all of the archetypes the victim the villain the 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 pity the pitiful story mm-hmm. you know like i think we're past wanting to see that but i don't know it's just it's also heavy when you're looking at your own stories because like uh what's the one that's out right now heartbreaker mm-hmm. heartstopper heartstopper i i can't watch it why i don't i i well one the educator in me doesn't really watch a lot of like education like school age so you're not things. watching sex education either I did watch Sex Education. I, I love Sex, sex Education. education yeah. um, but there's something about 
It's just like I, I also don't like watching trauma porn movies. I don't like watching the pitiful story. I don't like watching the tragic gay per character. That's not something I enjoy watching. Mm. On the other side, too, I don't really. I love that that it's there. I love that it's giving a representation. It's showing a whole other generation of kids like that this is a path for you. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the experience that we didn't get it quite like that. Right. And it's the experience that it's still and this may be wrong to say, but it's still a numbers game. So it's like to me, it's kind of like how Disney I yeah, I'm glad it's there. Bottom mm. line, glad it's there. Mm. But just like Disney set us all up for a a, a love story, happily uh, ever after, <laughs> ever happily ever after. I love that they've created this path and shown that this is out there for young queer kids. But it's even harder for them. Oh yeah, simply mm-hmm. numbers wise. Well, and and, and for me, and yeah. I'm not saying it shouldn't be there. I'm just saying for me, it's hard for me to watch it. Well, I don't, I, I, it's not something I, I don't I had know. this discussion with someone last night and we were talking about the, you know, the sheer number of shows that are dark or grim or mm-hmm. whatever, which I love, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. But every, every once in a while, I just want a show that's just about joy. And I and, shouldn't be speaking on it since I haven't seen it. But. Yeah. And well, and you know, so like Ted, La- when Ted Lasso came along and I discovered Ted Lasso, I was like. Why, I'm not going to watch a show about soccer. Who the gives no. a fuck about I was, soccer? I was a good year and, and a half that, after Ted Lasso that I started watching it. And I yeah, I was too. Yeah. It, and I watched it and I'm like, I'm this just is so the narrow absolutely in my most lane. delightful thing I've ever seen. And Heartstopper was that way for me. It was the gay Ted Lasso. It was okay. just okay. sheer joy. It's, it's for just joy. love and it, it's so cleverly done. It's based on a graphic novel, and so there are graphic really? elements. It's just like little anim- animated mm. bits. Oh, in I it. love that. I mean, there's this, there's a, you know, like this great scene where you know it's a, it's a supposedly straight boy and a and a gay boy, and they have a friendship that's kind of forced by the school. Uh, I'm already triggered. <laughs> yeah, it's just. My but thing. there's this, there's this great this is one shot, and it's like the, the two of them watching a movie, and the gay boy's falling asleep, and the the straight boy's looking at his hand. Their hands are really close. And he's like thinking about touching his hand yeah. and he like raises his hand and it, there's like little animated sparks and there's like this, the sound of like, oh. like electricity. That's and cute. And it, it, it goes back and I'm like, it just takes me back to, you know, that's cute. My I don't youth. <laughs> it doesn't make me want to watch it. It's adorable. But it's cute. It's just, I'm a, like, I feel like for me, I'm personally past the, the gay coming out story. I never tire of them. Uh, especially <laughs> the gay teenage coming it's out like, story. Give it to me. Like I'm never. done. Like in the same way that like I don't need to see another Spider-Man origin story. He's got bitten by a spider. I get it. I don't need to see like, Batman. It's like John Batman said, If I see those pearls fly through the air one more time, I'm walking out of the theater. <laughs> right, right. That's right. So yo, we should probably wrap this up a bit. But any kind of um. Any kind of last thoughts on the celluloid closet? Uh, uh, it just it oh it it just it <laughs> it fired up new curiosity for me. Yeah, I made a list of movies that I still haven't seen that mm-hmm. I want to see. The Detective. Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, it would be fun for something that none of us have seen to kind of get yeah, through it yeah, together. Yeah, because there's some of those old black and white. There movies. are films you haven't seen, Todd. Oh God, yes, there's. So many. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, that's one of the, the joys of that job, you know, when I had, when I was a film critic, because I would see everything that came out in a year. Yeah. 
And, you know, that's good and bad. I mean, there's a lot of crap that comes out. Mm -hmm. And it, I was very protective of my love of movies. I never wanted it to become a job. I never wanted to go to the theater and just be like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember one time, my favorite story, I remember one time I had to drive to, because I was at a drive to Dallas to see mm-hmm. them. So I was going in the middle of the day and I'm like, all right, I'm going to Dallas and see a movie about a talking pig. So <laughs> I'll be back. And everybody's like, yeah, have fun with a talking pig movie. Uh-huh. And I came back and they were like, so how's the talking pig? And I'm like, one of the best films of the year. And they're like, <laughs> it's a beautiful it was, film. <laughs> it is absolutely perfection. And they're like, you're and kidding me. I'm like, no, no it is on my top beautiful. 10 list. And really, babe, by the way, is anyone wondering? <laughs> I was that'll say, do, pig. That'll yeah. do. I mean, really, that is a movie quote that is firmly entrenched into gay nomenclature. Oh, yeah. Which that'll do. <laughs> that'll do, pig. That'll yeah. do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> yeah. Providing some context uh, for yeah, everyone out there. Speaking of context. <laughs> um, uh, I'm you know, glad that we brought it back to Babe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for that time. Well, uh, I am intrigued. I l- it's the but fact the, the point was I just love yes. being surprised. Yes. You're still, yes. you're like being open minded enough to try something that sounds like, eh, whatever. I guess I'll you're watch right. it. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, I loved that. I mm-hmm. really loved that. Yeah. It is. Obviously, it came out in 1996, and when they show those closing clips of movies that had just come out right before, I'm like, that is the time that I was starting to right. watch stuff. So the last clips they show or show are like Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Priscilla, mm-hmm. Queen of the Desert, um, and so it is. I mean, now we have Fire Island coming out on Hulu. We have Bros. By Billy Eichner. Oh my God, that coming out trailer in September. Looks so that trailer looks good. Fabulous. And, I and mean, Fire Island looks great too. We, I, like, yeah. I adore uh, Bo and Yang from <laughs> SNL. Yeah. Uh, He's just like exploded. Last Christmas, and uh, not, was it two Christmases? Uh, we had The Happiest Season by Clea Duvall. Like the, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Did we Christmas watch that movie? together? Yeah. Yeah, no, we watched a single all the way, which was this last oh, we Christmas. The and the way. Christmas before that was Happiest which was, Season. Cheesy delight. Oh, I know, but I, I loved absolutely it. loved it. <laughs> I was just, I'm like, it's 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 it my was Hallmark, Hallmark movie. movie. Exactly. Right. right. I'm like, you guys I, got 28 of them. I want. They got. I am also here. I am also here for the Luke McFarlane himbo renaissance. He is playing the circuit queen, isn't he? Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I am here for that. <laughs> Not a himbo <laughs> renaissance. <laughs> Um, you know, usually, uh, usually we end with like, a uh, a queer heroes or, or, or queer cultural touchstone. Um, for me, what I'll do is this, I'll pull something out of the cellular closet. Um, there is I have some a, plugs, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Oh, okay. yeah, okay, we'll do it. Um, there <laughs> is a, a talking head, uh, the cellular closet, uh, Jay Preston Allen, who actually wrote the adaptation to one of my favorite pieces of literature. I absolutely love The Prime of Miss Jean Brody. Mm. Um, I love the book by Muriel I Sparks. I don't know what that is. <gasps> oh, we are going to. We're, it is Maggie Smith's first Oscar. Oh. Yes. Oh, oh I'm yeah. sold. Yeah. Sold. So Jay Preston Allen wrote the play and then wrote the screenplay for The Prime of Miss Jean Brody. Jay Preston Allen would then go still, will also write the screenplay to Cabaret, 
uh, before Bob Fosse was just like, eh, I don't really care. I'm going to do my own thing. And then wrote the screenplay to Funny Girl. I'm sorry. No, no. Funny Lady, <laughs> the Funny sequel Lady, yeah. to yeah. Funny Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. As I started Googling these people, I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, yeah, oh, exactly. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. The cast for the documentary was... All the talking heads. Yeah, I mean, Lily that, Tomlin that, that is, is the, one of the is most the narrator. And, yeah. Oh, I texted him as soon as I started it. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Lily Tomlin's the narrator? Yeah. Like, I just settled in. Like, I she just was, like, made she, myself Her voice at home. was like, but also, Lily Tomlin was one of the huge names that helped get the funding for the documentary. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, well, and gosh, now the name's completely falling out of my head. Is this pre or post big business? I would have been post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Post. Um, yeah. I mean, Whoopi. Whoopi was on there. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Whoopi, you ain't gay. Oh, well, you know, Whoopi's. Whoopi. Whoopi's Whoopi. Yeah. Well, and the filmmakers, uh, Rob Epstein and Jeffrey Friedman went on to do multiple, you know, docs and, and mm-hmm. things about the community that, you know, yeah. have been incredible right and um also hugh hefner <laughs> yeah hugh hefner yeah that's he was hugh one hefner of the executive producer yeah awesome well yes all right so uh todd where can we follow you where can we find support you. you find you well um if you're interested in seeing the cellular closet it's currently streaming on tubi mm-hmm. i believe mm-hmm. and you may be able to purchase it from a couple of other places 399 on amazon yeah amazon's got it so uh, I would encourage anybody to watch that. Um, and a lot of the other films that we talked about are all fantastic. I think Boys in the Band is still available on Netflix. <laughs> I want to find the 70s version now, but I yeah. need to be in an emotionally correct place for that, <laughs> yeah, right. which is probably post-Pride Month. I believe, yeah, I believe yeah, that there is. I believe it's on Amazon. And I then I believe is. that there is a documentary about the making of this. There is. It's called, make, it's called Making the Boys. Making because the we're boys. glutton for punishment? Yeah. No, it's really <laughs> fascinating. Uh, and there was a sequel to Boys in the Band called The Men from the Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, really? It was never made into a film, but it was. I saw was the play, play in, in Los Angeles, and then we did a stage reading of it uh, at, through Q Live, the live theater version of Q Cinema that mm-hmm. Kyle and I ran. And. Um, we reunited the original cast from my production of Boys in the Band to play their characters and oh uh, and a few new ones. But it's a it's an interesting. It's like cool, it catches man. up with everybody where they are, and it's like right at the beginning of I think it's beginning of the AIDS crisis. It doesn't get too heavy into that, but it's uh, it's interesting. It's not quite as on a par, right, as uh, Boys in the Band. Um, I the Fort Worth there's a Fort Worth Gay History group on Facebook. Uh, I think it's just Facebook slash Fort Worth gay history. Is it Fort Worth or FW? I will tell you shortly. Let's get it correct <laughs> so people know where to go because people need to know what it is. Don't assume that they will know. <laughs> I think if you type you in Fort Worth gay history, them. it'll pop up. You have to lead them to the uh, to the water. I know on Instagram it's FW gay history. Right. I yeah. I think it's Fort Worth gay history, but if you it just is. if you did you search. Fort Worth Gay History, it'll The group pop, it'll is Fort up. Worth Gay History, yes. So, and that page, you know, you can scroll through that. There's tons of stuff. People post things all the time. I they, love it. I love seeing those and, old posters and shit. Oh, yeah. The old pictures. And uh, I, you know, so... The, and some of it you'll get to see in person soon. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's one of the other things we're doing. So, you mentioned earlier that we're doing, uh, we're doing kind of a gay history happy hour called uh, uh, Yester Queer, 
We're going to be doing that monthly. And this month, we're working with Trinity Pride yeah. on June the 7th, mm-hmm. Tuesday. And we will be doing a pop-up museum for Pride, yeah. looking back on the history of Pride in Fort Worth, which goes, you know, we began officially in Pride, Fort Worth Gay Pride officially began in the, in the early 80s. But it actually goes back to the early 70s. They were doing Pride-related events and picnics and stuff. We didn't form the Fort Worth Gay Pride Week Association until 82, I think. And that's when we started the parade and, and all that stuff, which mm-hmm. took place on South Jennings. But um, I can't wait to see those things in person. But I just I love that you're going to be doing something ongoing. Yeah. So Liberty Lounge. And the goal is, you know, we the Facebook group is great. It, it's a conversation, but it's there's nothing like in-person talks. And I, yeah. I really it's not I don't want it to be me blathering on and people listening like it's mm-hmm. a lecture or something. I really want to, you know, I'm just went there to kind of get the conversation going and then i want these people to kind of start talking and remembering and sharing stories make it a storytelling yeah and i'm hoping you know one of the things like you said part of the the role of of fourth gay history is to preserve the history and that's not only just the stories but also the actual ephemera and mm-hmm. and pieces so like some of the things you'll see at the pop-up museum are things from the archive my I collection cannot. ah and uh, uh, my little history heart is just gonna be so <laughs> like beside myself I'm going to be so giddy. But for everybody out there who has things that, you know, if you're thinking of throwing them away, please don't reach out to me. No. And it's, I'm, I'm at Todd camp at fortworthgayhistory.com. Awesome. And we'll be tagging you. Yeah. We'll tag you on everything. I'm on, I'm on the socials. So you can find me on the socials. Um, Tyler. Huh? You got anything (laughs) to plug? Uh, it's pride month, baby. Yeah, it is. Let's yeah. do some gay shit. We'll do I some gay pride. shit. Uh, Todd, thank you so much for being our first guest. That was my pleasure. Thank you guys We're for having me. Forward. Oh my God, we had a guest. We had a guest. <laughs> we did it. I love this. We had a guest. We placed it to fall down or anything. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you'll be back. Please. You'll be Anytime. back. Well, you know, Todd Camp, local legend Todd Camp. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, you'll everyone, you know, just... If you haven't already, subscribe. I mean, this this episode should absolutely have made you want to subscribe more. <laughs> you know, subscribe, like us, rate Learn us. Learn a little bit of something. Apple, Spotify, all your favorite podcasting. Send places. us any questions you have. Yep. Any questions you have about queer cinema? Mm-hmm. Any queer cinema you would like us to dig deeper into? Oh yeah, yeah. Send us some recommendations. Yeah. Great. And you can follow us at Queer Context, Q-U-E-E-R-C-O-N-T-X-T. You Instagram. did it without even looking. I know. I know. I'm, proud of you. I'm yeah. All right, everyone. See y'all later. Later. Bye.